right, yo, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. You know what? This this ain't even an episode right here. This is a this is a milestone. This is a <laughs> this is a moment. This is an event. Um, if you've been fucking with the boy with creative contact for a minute, if you know me at all, then you know about this man. I've been talking about my boy Do from the jump. Met back in Cornell, 2010 shit, coming up on a good old decade, you feel me? And I've been trying, I've been hassling D for a minute, saying you got to come on the podcast. We got big moves, big things coming up. I'm so stoked to finally, finally sit down and make this shit happen, D-Mac. So um, I'm not going to do this one like the normal one because there's so much to get into that I know we're going to have multiple episodes of this. Um but for that one person that doesn't know, even though everybody better motherfucking know, but for the one person that doesn't, give a little, a, let the people know a little something, and then I want to talk, instead of diving straight into your childhood shit, I want to start talking about this video a little bit, and then just to give them a little teaser, you know, a little taste, and then we'll jump into the, the backstory. Cool. Well, I want to start out by saying thank you for having me on, man. This is uh it's an honor. I do. Long time even, coming, I think. It's been a long time coming. It was a long time ago. I think this will be really cool for people because you know me as as a best friend. So it's um I think I, we can just have a different perspective uh, on things than dude, I got know, I've ever been able stories, to stories. Really like, yeah. Yeah. Um I forget what the first question. No, was. so just so just for the one person that doesn't know, tell people a little bit about you know. I'll write, this will all be in the copy and everything, but who who you are and not you don't have to get super elaborate, but sort of like where you're at right now, what you do. Cool. So I'm Dylan Owen. I'm an artist uh, based in New York City right now. I've been in New York my whole life. Um, I do music as a way of documenting my life and my story, and that's always my goal with it. Um, I'm always setting out to try to capture the most recent couple years in my life. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Dude. I think that's, I love music the same way. I feel like it kind of captures, I see it as autobiographical when I write it too. It's like, it's like a little time capsule. I'll be like, this is what I'm going through right now. And I think it's, it'll be cool for us to look back on even already looking back on your old stuff being like, Dude, like this was high school Dylan senioritis is so different than, um, you know, all the stuff you did in college and then even afterwards and up until now. It's just a cool, steady progression to sort of see where you're at. So, thanks, man. We got some dope shit coming out soon on the horizon that I want to, I want to jump back into where you're from and all that, get the backstory. But because Dylan just showed me the most recent um, cut. Of a video that I think y'all are gonna break some eyes, break, break some, some eyes. Video. So this podcast mm-hmm. will probably come out, let's say, probably right before um, the break some ice let's video comes out. Yeah. So I don't know when exactly that's gonna be. Now we're still, you know, finalizing the video, editing it, and but everything. It's like, but but it's, it's really like, close. It's like ninety nine percent. Yeah, and it's it's been like, um, yeah, it's been like a like crazy long process so it's like finally very close to being done um so yeah let's just say this podcast will probably come out 
right right when it's coming out. So it's the Break Some Ice video. Break Some Ice video, people, you don't even realize. Oh, I'm talking mini movie, <laughs> mini movie type shit, yo. So we got so many stories to get into. But before we do, and especially since your fan base um, will know that the video is coming out and stuff, let's give them, let's tell them a little bit about the video, and then we'll jump back and get into all Perfect. the crazy stories. So. Cool. A couple things that I want to know. When you guys see this video too, like you're like, oh man, you're hyping or whatever. Y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't feel me though. This shit is crazy. It feels and sh- what's who shot it? Brian. Brian Petchers is the director's name. Yeah. Shout out Brian one time. Yeah, it, it absolutely. Looks so dope. Yeah, Brian is a he's a creative genius, man. He's I he is the first person who has ever been able to take my music and turn it into something visual yeah um it, and yes. he has just done an incredible job with that so it just matched I, it's like yeah perfectly un- unbelievable like shout out and thank you to brian Yo, like, he's just he's on a whole other level brian is on some next level shit and and that's something i want to get into too is i think when people see videos myself included you're you're on a bus you're on a train it's a little three minute thing you're skipping around let's talk about because i remember when you were shooting it just and leading up to it, how much work goes in behind the scenes of a shoot like that. So say people don't know, um, how many days did you shoot that over? It was like one crazy weekend. One crazy weekend, one yeah. One crazy weekend, but leading up to it too, like you had to hire actors for it. Yeah, and, yeah, actors, like, um, tons of locations and everything. I mean, another person I just want to give a big thank you yeah. and shout out to is Regina Zaremba, oh. who helped so much. She helped so much with all my music and... Um, she's basically been involved since Landmark, since we did that song together on Keep Your Friends Close. And with this video, she helped so much with the locations and the props and the logistics of it. Like it, it was definitely a lot of work. Like I would say if I had to put a time frame on it, it was probably like three months I of just hitting, hitting it every day. I didn't really hear much from you in those three months either. I'd be like, yo, what up, DB? Like, dog, I'm working on the video. Like, it was it was crazy. So let's get into some of the nitty-gritty details of, like, cool. okay. what's it what's it like? So there's that one shot that I do want the story of. If you guys watch the video, too, there's this crazy shot when you and, in the story, it's your partner, you're running through a door, and it opens up, and you're on the beach, yeah. And it's either crazy digital effects or you had an actual door on the beach somehow. How did you guys even pull that shit off? So, well, shout out to Brian for like the idea. First of all, it was definitely like one of his. So dope. He loves the, uh, and, and I love it too, but he loves to incorporate some, just a little bit of surrealist yeah. vibe to it. Um, and I think that's, that's a really cool place to take it. So basically we did it the real way. We had a real physical door out there. <laughs> My buddy Tom Flynn <laughs> is standing, standing Flynn. behind the door and we would just time it. We had to do it a whole bunch of times, but we would time it. So he would pull open the doorknob. So she's not actually opening the door. He's just pulling the door and he's behind it and you can't see him just the way that it's like filmed. How does it look like you're in the hallway though? Because we're running through a hallway, which we filmed actually in this building that we're in right now. Because so, because I know, because you start, you I remember the shot. You're coming up. You're in your apartment lobby, but there's it doesn't seem like there's any cut into the beach. Like you're in a hallway running. Yeah. And so, it was just I was like I don't know how you guys pulled it off, but 
we just did the we did the hallway running so many times to try to make it look like where the arm reaches for the doorknob mm. that it's going to be the same reach on the beach but it's two totally different places it, that's the beach is out it's like way cra- far out that's also crazy. there are so many like funny stories about it but one is we needed a door a standalone door to bring out to the beach so not only do we need a door we also needed to then carry a door out to a beach so that was definitely a big challenge. And put in a pickup truck or something? Yeah, well, Brian and I were walking around the East Village just hanging out before the shoot, and we were gonna get a door from like a a movie place where you could like get a door and it was like super expensive. No joke, me and him are walking around this neighborhood and we're like, man, we were talking about superstitions. And Brian's like, dude, lately I've been feeling so superstitious. Things happen for a reason, whatever. And I was like, yeah, man, look right here on the sidewalk. There's just a door laying there. And we were like laughing about it like, wow, that's so weird because we've been trying to figure out a door. And there was just a loose apartment door sitting on the sidewalk. And then we were both like, wait, what is this door doing here? Somebody must have been like renovating their apartment and just threw this door out on the street. And nobody was nearby, so we just took the door. And <laughs> just took the door. Yeah. And we uh Brian went and got a truck. I had to like watch the door. We carried it. It was super heavy. It looks really These apartment doors are so heavy. Yeah. It was like one like of the heaviest things I've ever carried. You know when you're like helping somebody move a bed or something and you're like, I, I'm not built for this? Yeah. It was like that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Somehow, so we carried the door out to the beach. It was super heavy, and thankfully Flynn is very strong and was able to. Yo, Flynn, I know people he, to do he's that. He's been doing his five by five, ripto starting <laughs> strength, deadlift, <laughs> deadlift and squat. Yo, speaking of Flynn, what's the story behind the party scene indoors? Where did you shoot that party with like all those people? You look like you're having a blast. You're playing cards or something? Like yeah, yeah, we're playing cards. Um, well, it's supposed to just capture a coming of age moment, yeah. you know, like this rite of passage, being at a party with your friends, that sort of thing. But it's in my mom's basement. We filmed it. But what's it like behind the scenes when you're with a bunch of, I assume there a lot of those were actors. Yeah, it's like half actors, half just like friends. So when you guys are shooting something like that, are you like, okay, cut, and then you pretend to have a good time? Or you just start like drinking a little bit, playing cards, and then Brian kind of like films you guys just like yeah it was the second one that's always more natural if you just like you just kind of let it go we put on they were like i'll throw on like some funny music and Mm. i just put on something like so lame and everybody was like dude we need something cool (laughs) i put on like call me maybe and they're like that's just lame it's not funny (laughs) there's a there's a fine line in there where there's like cool lame and then stuff that's like yeah i thought i was gonna like nail it yeah i I missed the mark i always do too there there are certain ones that like people always fuck with other ones where i'm like damn i didn't call it yeah somebody i think nico got on and uh miley cyrus nico nailed it with something funny i forget what it was what about um the scene when you guys are like all in the back of a pickup truck and flynn's filming something yeah flynn the same thing same you're in your mom's house no no different scene that was out in washingtonville new york that's my uncle's truck um, we borrowed that and, uh, um, I don't know. We basically just wanted to capture little vignettes that kind of represent, nailed that. represent like coming of age moments or yeah. whatever. So I think that one was like an end of the summer, 
sort of feeling. Um, one person in the group of friends has a camera, maybe you're trying to preserve the moment with yeah. your friends, that sort of feeling. And Flynn really is that camera he guy in real life. Dude, exactly. So it was cool to have him do that. Well, I think also you nailed too, and maybe this is Brian, um, was not just the scenes, but the feel of it, the whole vibe with the coloring. Now that I've started to fuck around with the vlogs and stuff, like, you know, I'm on my editor shit. Um, I have, so, I've talked to my brother about this too. Shout out big bro. So much respect for people that like edit and color video and stuff like that, because it's like so much work and so much time that, excuse me, unless you start to do it, you don't even, I had no idea how much work goes into coloring something like that, where I was like the vibe of the whole thing. Not only is it shot beautifully, but like just the amount of time that Brian or whoever it was that worked, you know, the cinematographer, all that sort of shot, like, all that sort of shit like just looks it looks like a coming of age story just in the colors and everything that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. dude shout out to brian yeah. with the coloring dude, brian did all that yeah dude, brian is a um, i need to hire this man it was filmed it was filmed by um jack shanahan um but brian did the coloring and um yeah it's what i love so much about it is it feels like all that feels right to me for the yeah. music like it feels like one of the first things visually that like fully captures um, what I'm going for in the music. Like music is, you know, from creating music, it's like you're trying to create this like palette of something. Absolutely. You know, a vibe. With the sound, with the sound you try to get. Yeah, out. yeah. Although, and the lyrics and everything. Maybe it was Brian too. I do think you have done that before um, with that other poem video that I love that has the shot of like the field or like, you're thanks man. Like, yeah. That was also directed by Brian. Dude, yeah. Bri you and Brian are a good match, dude. Like, thanks man. Perfect. And so the last one, before we jump into Dylan's story, another one I was curious about was, I know a little bit about this cause I remember calling you when you were doing it, but like how long did it take to paper the entire room? I want people to know about <laughs> that and to get it to like the papers, like fall on you properly. And to like, cause that's, people don't realize Dylan's apartment was like, full of yeah that is of my apartment until like two weeks until, ago i was like every time i've been over here it's been like y'all don't realize like that that's real like the place was covered yeah so for literally for like i don't know nine months or something i basically lived on this set of this after we filmed it i'm saying but to to build it it probably took it was like three days and it was me and and beth regina's roommate um <laughs> Shout out Beth Shout oldest. Out Beth. And she came and just helped me all day. We just put papers up there. Um, I had to tear up some books to do it. And yeah, it was just, you can still see the like tape on the walls here. We're sitting in the room now. Um, but it was crazy. It definitely took like all day. And I did it right before the shoot too. So we were all, everyone working on it was like so sleep deprived. Like it was, it felt like like running a triathlon or something. Um, but yeah, the paper room, that was really cool. That felt, felt a hundred percent right to me yeah. in that room. It and felt really, really cool. Shots too, I think turned out really dope. Thanks man. So if you, if people, if you haven't seen the video, go check it out. It's amazing. It's a short film. I think, I think it's Dylan's also, we spoke about this too a little bit off mic. I think it's your best performance to date Thanks, as far man. as you actually feeling very, you do before, but you just feel like you, you fully let go in those performance shots where I feel like you don't seem as self-conscious of the camera 
which is, I think, part of you growing into yourself. I also think that's a testament to your most recent music, which I want to get into later, is it feels like it's the least self-conscious. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, least aware exactly. of like, the process. Right. Like, before, in some of your older music videos, and this is something, I mean, I struggle with, I think everybody does. When you're on camera, it takes a while to learn how to be on camera. You're like, you're like oh, there's a camera. But I think it's the first one where your performance shots just feel there's a little bit more kind of like fuck you mentality behind it where you aren't looking for validation as a performer. That's and, cool. And that comes across. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean because your most intense performance, because sometimes you can, you have guys that are super intense, but it, there, there's a vibe when you can tell when someone is like actually just in the moment performing. And and I think you really, that's really cool. And I think you, I, hands down, I think it's your best one. Just thanks, man. As, as overall thing. So, if you haven't peeked the video, check out all the links in the bio. Yeah, um, in the description, all that shit. Definitely, and just uh, watchbreaksofmice.com. You oh, can see cool. It right there, it'll redirect directly to the video. Dope. Watch. So that I'll have that clickable. Share it. Tell your folks. Let's Tarantino this shit. <laughs> jump, jump in a crew. We're yes. gonna have a little bit of creative contact. Um, pause. It's it's the boys. Yo. So tell people where are you from? If, if, if there's. If you know anything about Dylan, he shouts out where he's from all the time. But for the few folks that don't, tell people a little bit where you're from and sort of like what. Let's take it way back to the jump because you talk so much about growing up that I want to. We don't have to cover all in this episode, but just to get into it a little bit. Cool. So I am from New York, upstate New York, a small town area. Um, I usually just say Orange County, New York, because... I grew I grew up in a few different towns, um, and I think I sort of came into my my skin as an artist in in all of them. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily one specific town, um, but if you know like Middletown, Goshen, Circleville, those small areas, small upstate New York towns, small towns, yeah, in upstate New York, like Circleville is very small. It's like four hundred people, um, and that that was where I lived first, basically there in Middletown. Um, and then like, yeah, went to high school in Goshen. So definitely from a small town area. Um, and I think that that has, in a weird way has informed what I love to make. I, I think it's just informed, like just who I am as a person. Yeah. Um, and so growing up, what did, what did mom and dad do? Um, bunch of different things. Uh, mom was always a nurse, uh, working in, in hospitals that, that was like when I was really young, that's what she was doing. And my dad was a lawyer. Pops was a lawyer. And how many siblings? Had, um, well, growing up, I had, uh, two brothers. Um, and now I actually have four brothers. <laughs> they, they doubled. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, those two they, brothers they multiplied. Themselves. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I had, um, my dad got remarried and, and had, uh, two more boys. So all together, four brothers. So many, so many boys. Yeah. Um, four brothers, five young men in total. That's a lot of, a lot of testosterone in all in one place. Yeah. Although Joey makes up for probably half of it, <laughs> and then the rest he all fall into the. That's true. All into the rest. Shout out Joey all one time. That's my hero. Um, yo. So because you do talk about growing up so much in Goshen, and it doesn't, like you said, it informs your worldview in that sort of small town. Um, 
what was it like, you know, this is crazy because I know so much of this shit already, but, you know, you and your kind of ragtag group of, group of homies and, you know, getting into trouble and stuff like that growing up, when do you... Um, when do you start to kind of have that click? Is it in middle school? You went to Catholic school through yeah, middle school, yeah. right? Um, up until high school? Yeah, up until high school. First first through eighth. Were any of the homies in the Catholic school with you? Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, like Ghost, who I talk oh, about in so many songs. Yeah. Uh, we're like Catholic school buddies. Wow, but all yeah. the other guys you met in high school? Um, yeah, which guys are you referring to? Like Flynn and... Uh, yeah, yeah. All, yeah, all my friends, I would say, like, closest friends growing up, it was, like, high school time. Yeah, and they were, it's kind of, like, two different groups, I think you're referring to. And just so people know, so me and Kia met in college, so I think everybody knows with your college friends, they know so much about you, but there are, like, these nuances to it that are so specific that if you, like, you you grow up with someone, you know those nuances. So it's cool because we're, we're like, getting into that here. But basically... Like Connor and Adam and all those friends of mine, they were one year older than me. Ah, that's And right. they were into music and they were into uh, art and film and all that stuff. The kids in my grade were more of just friends. Like, we didn't make music or anything together. Like, okay. Um, yeah. So that was like, in my grade is like Ghost. That's a name like you definitely know. Yeah, yeah. So what's it like when you come into high school as a freshman out of Catholic school and there are all these guys and gals that have grown up together. You know, I know how it is like in a small town, so it's hard to infiltrate that group when it's like, oh, I'm the Catholic school kid. How do you start to kind of navigate that territory of high school and make friends with people as the outsider? You're good at these interviews, man. <laughs> Yo, really get, it's just because really I'm digging in. I'm curious. So it was actually, it was actually pretty challenging, but it felt... I think anyone who's gone to Catholic school will probably relate to this. You're like, you're finally free. When you, <laughs> yeah. when you step foot in that public school for the first time. Yo, let's go. Because like, like the Catholic school I went to boys? is very, no, no, oh. not all boys, but just very traditional. Oh. Very, uh, I always think about that, that Death Cab for Cutie song, I Will Follow You Into the Dark. Oh, I love that um, song. Yeah, and they talk about the Catholic school nun is like fear is the heart of love. Yeah. Like I just always, that felt familiar to me that kind of idea and yeah anyway so I go into public school I really didn't know many people but I was lucky that I knew a few kids from from middle school or whatever um like ghost was there so that was cool um and these other friends of mine Anthony and John and and some other people so it was really good I think though naturally oh and one other thing is my older brother was already in the public school and Mm. I was already rapping at this time so it's great yeah, yeah. Well, ninth, the, well ninth, ninth, the beginning of high school. So yeah, I was. So Joe had told all his friends, of course. So I kind of had this like stigma coming in. <clears throat> that white people boy were ever? Yeah, people were like, oh, this kid, like, who is Joe's brother that everyone's talking about that's like going to come in and rap? So right away, dude, freshman year, I was like put on the spot to battle in the cafeteria and everything. I remember Nico, actually, Nico's older sister, these older kids made me like rap about her. They're like, oh, you can freestyle like rap right now about 
this girl sitting here. And later it's like <laughs> Nico who's produced all my music later. It's like his sister. And I remember I had to like just rap about her. Like they put her in a chair there in the cafeteria. It was like weird. There was a lot of like any of the weird stuff that happened. I said something about her nails. She had like really long nails. Dude. In high now, because I still in my stage of my life as a grown man, I'm still rapping for high schoolers. <laughs> still trying to preach high schools. They will lose their shit if you just meant the bars don't have to rhyme. If you just mention anything that's like real and tangible about them, there was one guy that had a Nike jacket on, and all I did was rhyme and point to the Nike sign, and they lost it. All oh, you had so to do funny. is, but you remember that sort of because you're like, oh, I wow. totally remember. I remember nails being harder than I expected to rhyme with. Like, <laughs> yes. I remember saying the word nails and then being like, damn, damn I actually that was a bad don't choice. know what rhymes with yes. nails. Yeah. <laughs> no, in the freestyle, when you're in that mode, sometimes you hit that word and you're like, while you're rapping, you're in the back of your mind, you're like, damn, that was a bad choice. Yeah, but yeah. it's okay. You just need one line to one like bring line. it home. And I remember I had something like, um, like I, oh, man, something with kids. I slit wrists like, like sick kids or oh, something like that. Oh, I forget a, what it a, was. That's a little bar. It's a little one bar for y'all. A little intense. Yo, those high school Dylan on rap battles, I'd argue are world famous. <laughs> 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 there is, I remember being in college. It's funny because I think your story is kind of cyclical in that way that then when you're a freshman in college, you come in and then people are kind of like, Here, I'm just going to close this door. This heater is crazy. Is I remember you come into college then and people, it's kind of the same story. You start to get a little bit of name, and people are like, oh, who's this this white dude who who thinks he can rap and kind of battle and stuff. And I remember um, looking back on some of those high school battles, and it's like you – I remember that one vividly. If anyone's a Dylan Owen fan, then you know this battle, and you're surrounded by a bunch of kids. You're battling this dude, and you have a bar about – you bury him like the garden or something like that or hillary clinton yeah or what's the bar about the burying him um bury i'm gonna like, put you in the dirt like we're gardening <laughs> i'm gonna put you in the dirt like we're gardening or something yo that's a crazy one and then there's another bar in there that i remember was controversial and it felt it felt like it was like really intense and so if you if you are a fan of dylan go back and watch those are they still on youtube i think yeah most of them are some of them some of them, I think, have the users have like deleted their profiles, whatever, because oh. they're not like on. It's yeah. not like stuff I uploaded. It was just. It's weird because now I think we take for granted now how easy it is to just like film a cell phone video. Yeah. Like this was, it was kind of rare back then. It would have been like there the world are stars. so many battles I did in high school that were just audio. I remember this kid had audio. I did this like series of battles with this guy, this older guy, and. Um, this other dude would just record the audio on his phone and he was the only one who had it like to hear it you would have to play back the audio from his phone and like wear headphones or something it was like so wacky and it never never went like that audio never got uploaded or saved or anything i would have no idea how to track that guy down now it'd be dope though to get some of those old because it was there are gems in there and something that you that you touched on that i want to get into that i didn't even realize i guess was so when you're already rapping as a freshman, I think I might know some of the story. I know some of the uh, um, Sage Francis kind of influence. Who are you listening to like circa ninth grade, eighth grade, ninth grade? Is Joey putting you on? How do you even, I'm always curious, how, how do you get into the hip hop stuff initially? It was definitely like um, not coming from 
Joey or anything. Like he, uh. I was basically around all people. Oh, he was like who were rock. Into, yeah, like metal. Metal. Um, not even just rock, like specifically metal and, and all the subgenres and everything. So I would go, he played in bands and everything, go with him to the shows. Um, and I always admired that. I definitely wished I could be a part of it. Um, but they were all really good, really good at guitar. Definitely, I couldn't compete, whatever. Um, and hip-hop for me was my own, it was just a way for me to write. And I was very, got into writing poetry too, um, and I, like the kind of the origin of it is um, this guy. There was an older dude that I kind of looked up to. I was like fourteen, probably at the time. He was like around twenty one, mm. um, and he's like, man, he he was super into freestyling, and uh, he was like, man, just check out this CD. It's called Black Star. Just go to Best Buy and just buy it. Yo, people don't realize because now we're old, even though we're still young. So fuck you. Is you couldn't just hop on Spotify and download shit like back. And this was like l even before LimeWire days when like you're staying outside Sam Goody or you're going to Best Buy or whatever. Like you, it took it took time for music to like trickle down and to actually like permeate into your life like that yeah so that that was right before limewire and everything that was like probably napster was just starting but I, I was like young to use napster or whatever so that was i don't know maybe fifth grade yeah fifth six around there but i was already into i was already obsessed with music black I, star just caught your ear like that you remember it vividly that was one of the first like hip-hop things yeah. it was that and um and it was just randomness though like I don't want to say that in a way like we read too much into like it was that specific CD or something. Right. It was just random stuff. Whatever I had in front of me, I obsessed over and I like loved it. And it was just, I knew, I think I just really wanted to express myself and I just loved seeing like anyone express themselves. Throw and, me some more albums or, or names circa that, even as shitty as they Well, like were. one thing is in my dad's car, we would always listen to Beastie Boys. Wow. And these old random mixes of stuff like, like the band Cake, I remember was on there, just like random stuff. Word. And I would just get, get so into it. The lyrics to me, like it was a long drive from, from his house to school and, um, and also a long bus ride too to my mom's. And uh, I just remember so many times like sitting in the back of the bus just by myself with headphones on and an actual physical Walkman. And there was always something wrong with it too, no matter what. They're always always skipping, skipping. Always got to get a new one. There's like a Band-Aid on there holding this it closed. Terrible. And, uh, and there's like some cute girl sitting across the way that like, I'm like, man, I could talk to her today or I could just listen to this music. So <laughs> yeah. it's every it's every eighth year in the back of the bus is like yo I could talk to girls or just sit by and bus some ride. of my bus friends too on those long bus rides the bus was like an hour home from school wait so is that from from school to your dad's house school to my mom's to your mom's house yeah and my so mom and my dad lived like at this point lived like ten minutes away from and each other they'd already split at that point yeah yeah what what grade did they split up uh, it began in like third grade in third grade. And then when did you end up, when was the, it official that you ended up bouncing back and forth? That started right away. Oh. As, yeah, yeah. Started right away. Um, so there, there were, I moved around a lot during that time. Okay, gotcha. So like we lived with my grandma for a year. Um, 
we moved to a different house with my mom, moved to a different house, like that kind of thing. Okay, cool. Because I think there is, and this is just me playing psychologist, but I think both physically you bouncing around, emotionally you were sort of in between, and then also as a middle child, I think there's this kind of aspect throughout your music of constantly torn between these certain things, of never quite feeling a sense of belonging. You're always either at the tail end of something and and feeling like you missed it or um you know just that that vibe that i think isn't doesn't just come with people that are you know middle children although i think it is a symptom of that you're sort of like but wait the older kid gets all the attention up front the younger kids gets all the attention it's this sort of like just feeling of being left out almost um that's super interesting uh, i like that analysis well uh, you know and i think i think too part of it is you were growing up physically between different places like you said you know bouncing around a lot between mom and dad it's it's true and the the bus and the car rides and everything i think those times it was where music like sunk into me and it wasn't i was not aware of that at the time like i'm not one of those kids who grew up i did not grow up in like a musical house (laughs) i wasn't like i never had any thought of like i'm gonna try to be an artist it was just like the idea of expressing themselves like and something about the way the words sound and everything was it was like candy to me like i couldn't the feeling um, of escape too probably gave you something to feel like yeah uh, to relate to when you're like fuck nobody gets this nobody gets me you know that typical email high school shit but it means a lot definitely um yeah and i love to draw during this time to draw like sketches uh-huh. and and uh i could call them comics but they were i thought of them more as like real stories and i would have characters and it was that was my imaginary world that later just became my music um but this is all like very early, so like third, fourth, fifth. So I'm listening to just random stuff. You just have random CDs. I'm uh, sure you did. hundred percent. That time, and the random like five CDs you have, you know them front to back. You have the. It's all you have. You don't. Yeah, it's all you have. You yeah. have like some weird radio thing. And I remember I would go on and start listening to FM radio too. I didn't even understand like what it was because I was so young. But I just had a radio there in my room, and I would turn the bar and like just listen to all the channels. And we were far away from the city, so we didn't really get the city channels like Power 105.1 yeah. and Hot 97, but sometimes you would get them. Just random. And I loved it. Yeah, just random hip-hop stuff. And I I just didn't I didn't understand how radio channels work. Like, why is it so crackly sounding? Yeah. Like, you just don't know. You're so young. But anyway, it was all I that stuff. I still don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> how does FM, how do magnets work? How the fuck do they work? Magnets. Yo, I still don't know how radio works. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so all that weird, weird influences of like so much different music and then watching my older brother play in bands and, and music and writing and poetry and drawing, it was all my own, my own thing that I was doing in my, in my head. It was like my imaginary world. Yeah. Which is funny because on a little bit of an intro video, I remember you talking about that for something recently too. It's True, this, yeah. This sort of this this theme of escape that um, I think we, whether it's through music like this or if you're the director, you know Eli Roth, and you're creating these strange imaginary imaginary worlds through cinema, we all 
it, we all have these different artistic sort of things that we like to escape to. We just kind of choose different mediums for them. Um, just to help us kind of cope with daily bullshit of regular human life. So something I want to actually talk about that, we don't have to dive into it as, as much or as little as you want, but at what point then in high school when you're writing, does writing camp and Annie come around? It was the summer going into my junior year, I believe. Um, okay. So right after sophomore year ended. So you're 16, something like that? Um, yeah, I think I would have been 15. Wow. Going, yeah. I believe 15 going on 16. Uh, 15 going on 30. <laughs> so because something I did notice that you said too is – is if you know Dylan at all, then you know you know this is true. Is that from every and every time you mention music as well, you talk about this even in this interview. Is you've always been fascinated with the words and the lyrics behind it, and that's interesting because for me, growing up, it was more about the the feel of it. Like listen to Americana or Limp Biscuit. Like I don't really. Those guys, a lot of it was nonsensical, but it was just the feeling for me. But for you, it sounds like there's always been um, a real interest in the actual lyrics that are being sung or said throughout. And this writing camp was probably an awesome, your first four, was this your first real foray into like actual learning structure for creative writing? It was, yeah, 100%. So what was is that it, like as your first experience? How'd you end up there? But did mom send you on a whim? How'd you end up? Um, my dad had the idea. He, he was said, like, I think you would love this. Saw it in like the newspaper. It was like a newspaper clipping kind of thing. So what was the camp? So it is um, a camp in Virginia. It's called the Young Writers Workshop. That's dope. Yeah. And um, shout out Young Writers. Shout out Young Writers Workshop. And it was... It was a magical experience for me. It was a, like a magical kind of uh, land down there. And it was like the first time I learned that there's such a thing as a chorus in a song, that sort of thing. And I, I just didn't have anyone to talk to about that stuff. Um, as I said before, like just music was really my own kind of private thing. You hadn't and released any at that point. No, I had only released a living inverse EP. Um, and then I also um, I also had uploaded to MySpace this acoustic rap project that I did with James Wellington for my brother's bands. Um, and I was going around and playing at open mics. and Already at that point. Coffee shops and stuff, yeah. Uh, that all started like ninth grade of high school is when I kind of wrote and recorded for the first time. And... But really, a living in verse EP was the thing. It was up on my MySpace. I was telling everybody buy a copy, whatever. So down at camp, like I had that. That was like my big wow. thing. Wow, yo! Before we, because I wanted to dive into camp more. I didn't even realize that you released it. I went, "What's your first? This I'm always fascinated by this. What's your first experience like recording? And tell me about what's the equipment that we're on. Talk, talk to me okay. about how we acquire it and that feeling when you hear yourself back for the first time and you're like, oh." This is nuts. Well, the very first, the absolute first, was this track called The Introduction. It's and an epic track. <laughs> if, you have it, if you're a Dylan Owen fan, you ain't a real fucking fan unless you know The Introduction. I think that narrows it down to like two, <laughs> Yo, two or go, three people. Go peep that. that I believe that epic. was my first time ever, 
ever really recording something. Maybe before then I recorded with one of those computer mics that you use for gaming. Maybe I had recorded like a verse over like the Shook Ones beat or something with that. But I think my the first time I actually did, it was I downloaded Audacity because it was free. And it was in my mom's house. We had this family computer there. It was on the family computer, one of those like huge those size computers. Huge. It's like always has like a hundred viruses on it. Always, yo, one of the three bros is on the porn joint back in it back. They didn't say search that shit. Definitely Joe. (laughs) Joey. And I, and so I download audacity and I wanted to write, I don't even know what made me want to do it. I just had this, like, I had this thing I wanted to write and it was this poem sort of thing. Very similar to break some ice, like (laughs) that kind of thing. And I needed music for it. And I didn't know how to make music or whatever. Beats so I downloaded the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack <laughs> and I, I chopped. I chopped this part and I loved it because Romeo and Juliet are like whispering to each other in the background. It was really kind of eerie. He's like, my heart has never loved till now. <laughs> and then I put this alchemist beat at the end of it so that comes in like with some gunshots. So, so we got... <laughs> So we've got Romeo talking, Juliet talking, Alchemist, some gunshot samples. All sorts of things. All sorts of things. And it was about, yeah, it was just like one of those tracks about my, like what what goes on in my head. It was like my mind is playing tricks on me. That was like the hook at the end. You were spazzing with the bars even back then. I remember there was some stuff that was like, it was deep. Like I would listen to actually pretty recently. I think I found it and I was like, Yo, Dylan's from day one's been on some other shit, but thanks, man. That's pretty crafty. That even at that age, you knew about audacity and chopping up, making beats. Because even now, a lot of times people don't even know where to start with the technology and stuff. How, do you- it's weird because I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't know about it. I didn't know what I was doing. I just like loaded them in there and moved them around. There was no. I wasn't like, oh, I'm making a beat right now. It was just I need something to record my voiceover because that that it, you takes it takes the craftiness to realize that it's like what most people do is they think oh i've got these bars i gotta get to a studio that's always the things people are like i can't record i gotta get to a studio it's like you i you know what i mean i grew up the same way you're on this shitty computer mic you just work with kind of what you got well we work. both grew up in upstate new york i think you know that it's like going to the studio is not a thing yeah there, exactly. there's no there's no studio there's exactly. no you have there's the tools no from your computer and that's it so that's like where my head was at and something i wanted to say before when you were saying like what was i listening to yeah um and you mentioned sage francis it was underground rap all that just underground anacon that like aesop rock all that yeah. stuff anything more obscure and that i could find by downloading it and like one guy featured on another guy's project like i would just dive in and it was just i was in that phase of like the weirder music is the better it'd be so so weird sounding that i wouldn't even know if i enjoyed it i just knew that i didn't like hearing the stuff that was played at you know, parties right. or in the, school whatever. Dances or whatever school dances, yeah. And and on this is like big like MTV era. Like yeah. I didn't like any of that stuff. I just wanted like some some truth. I yeah. think that's what I was looking for. That's a yo. That's a gem right there. I want some of that right now. Some of that truth. <laughs> um, dope. So I want to get back into. So I agree with you. I'm, that same phase, ASAP Rock, dude, was pivotal. I think. 
for people like us in high school, just like so weird. But like you're at that time too, as someone when you're like super obsessed with bars, you're like, it has to be like, I couldn't listen to some shit unless the guy had like super crazy bars. When you go to that writer's workshop and you're around other kids that are writing and you're really learning how to hone your craft, is that, what's that experience like um, when you meet Annie for the first time? Is she that first year that you go to the workshop? I only went one year, yeah. Oh, that one only year. Went so one summer. when you meet Annie, you know, because that I know, if you know Dylan or two, if you were into his music, you realize that's another, you know, kind of common theme is that love story that transpired. What's are when you come back from that summer? Are you just on cloud nine? You're like into writing. There's this girl with Annie. Did you have a little fling at the camp? No, you didn't. So you did we you didn't. Um, did you like her though? Or were you like crushing on her pretty hard? I think deep down, yeah, completely. Um, you ever meet somebody and you're like, I want to be with somebody like this person. Uh, you th- you think that? Yeah. You don't think it could be it's this, this person. person exactly? Um, and she was from Colorado, so it was this kind of this weird thing. Like it, it could never, could never work out. We were both dating people at the time. I was dating Molly, my high school mm-hmm. sweetheart at the time, and yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, man, this is a really cool connection I have with this person. We like stayed up all night talking at camp and. Uh, it was cool. I think all through playing in those coffee shops, playing the open mics, whatever, I think I was looking for this kind of connection, and I, I felt like I found it with her. Mm. Did you, when you were there, did you meet her? Like, did you know all the big kids of the workshop? How big was it? Or was it like you guys ended up in the same, like, poetry class or something, and then you were like... It was pretty small. It was 67 kids. Oh, wow. None of us, nobody knew anyone, I don't think. Maybe, like, one or two kids. Um, I was in a room with two other roommates, um, and we met playing Ultimate Frisbee. That's (laughs) That's how we met. I think I was out there playing just to like hang out, participate, whatever. And she came up to me. She just approached me and said something. I forget what it was. Something very, very like simple. Like just, like, what's oh, up? can I play in the next game or something like that? <laughs> so romantic. Like, yo, boy, what's up? But you kind of know, you know. Absolutely. Someone says something like that. It's. I think there's this something inside of us that you know it's like something else is being communicated. And uh I was like, oh, this is, I don't know, something seemed cool about her. Yeah. Like, we, like, we're going to be able to, because you're, you don't know anyone at camp, so you're sort of looking for who you can connect with. Right. And this was a few days into it, and um, I don't know. It's she a, just seemed, a, there was something about us, we seemed very similar there. I think that's, like, what we bonded over. I think that's the power of sometimes things like camps or getaways as adults, whatever, is it, because it puts you in that situation, it forces you to make those um, relations quickly, you know what I mean? And not even in like a romantic sense, but you're just like, okay, now all these folks, it's like, good luck. And then it forces you out of your comfort zone. You got to go meet people, introduce yourself, so on and so forth. Um, it was a week long camp. It was, um, almost two weeks. Oh, almost two weeks. It was one, one weekend, but two weeks. Oh, wow. So you, 
meet her three days in. I think, actually, I think, yeah, yeah. Somewhere like, like five that. days in or something. So it'd been a little bit. And then after that, are you guys like hanging up talking every single night? Uh, yeah, sort of. Um, I think not so much yet. It was kind of like, oh, let's, let's get to know each other and go to this event this weekend or whatever. Dope. So yeah, we, we went to some event on the weekend there. Uh, this, it was a swimming event. Like you go out on this hike to this, uh, this location and, and we just hung out and talked and we bonded a lot there. That last day when you're about to leave camp, do you realize that this girl is someone that you think is going to play some sort of role for years to come in your life? Or does it just seem like random friends you made at camp? This is it. You're never going to see again. Did not seem random and did not seem like, I didn't know if I ever was going to see her again. And I think that's what felt so sad about leaving camp. Yeah. Um, it felt like this sort of magical world that I was stepping out of. But I don't think I had any clue that it was going to become something that would affect me for years to come. I, do, I don't think I could have possibly yeah, had that you foresight. You never know. But yeah, I remember driving, driving home with uh, my mom and her boyfriend and just being like, wow, that was, that was interesting. Trying to process it, that sort of thing, reflecting on it, like replaying those movie it's, moments in yes. your head. and You question almost sometimes if it's real afterwards. You're like, Definitely. Did, did she like... And we, I also was sleep deprived that day driving home because her and I had stayed up all night. It's kind of this ritual at camp. You stay up all night the night before. You watch the sunrise in the morning laying on this lawn. And I don't know. So I think I was a little bit out of it too. I was feeling loopy and I just didn't... It, it was crazy. And the... Uh, yeah, yeah. Because... There are also aspects, and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I, I am just curious about it. Um, because there are aspects of situations like that, say if you're going to go um, like The Bachelor or some show like that, where you're put in a, in a situation that almost has romantic qualities to it. You guys are someplace new. You're doing this really cool thing. You're staying up all night on beaches. Do you think if you had been... If she had just been a random girl in your class in Goshen, do you do you think it's something that would have transpired the same way? Do you think she would have been someone that you felt for the same way? It's an amazing question. It's such an interesting question. I don't have the answer to it. I don't know. I really don't. I'm always curious about that. Stuff. I wonder, yeah, I think that's something maybe I'll wonder about for the rest of my life. Like how much was this kind of magic that was sprinkled in there that because it was this this cross country romance and right. you know this crazy movie like situation um how much much of it maybe got amplified because of that i don't know i really don't um i don't think you ever know i think that it's that that's part of it i think timing is a big thing with falling in love i do too i think that's a that's a I 100%. Um, and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but how does it, after she moves away, you move away, how does that end up developing into a romance? We we were just friends for a year. We talked for a year. Um, you guys, you're keeping in touch on what over AIM at this text, point? Texting text. at the okay. time. You have a phone? What's the phone? Oh. Razor? Were you an Envy? 
Envy, Envy. Hey, <laughs> yo, it was Envy, Envy was my I never shit had too. a razor. Yeah, it was Envy. We would Flip text. Keyboard. And the funny thing is, we didn't know too much about each other's like day to day lives. So it's not like there wasn't social media right. back then. So it's I so couldn't. It's hard to conceptualize, I think. So I couldn't check up on what she was doing, whatever. So you don't know what to say. I knew I wanted to talk to her, but how do you keep in touch? And so the way we did, and I have a whole new song that is about this and kind of refers to it, is we would quote this song by my songwriting teacher, this guy, Andrew Rose. And that's who that is. Yeah, that's who that is. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, oh, yeah. shit. So, Yo, that's, a, that's one of my favorite songs off the album, by the way. Thanks, man. So Andrew Rose was my songwriting wow. teacher there, and he had this song called um, Neglected to Mention. And it's like, I neglected to mention that you're on my mind all the time. And you might recognize that line from Garden of the Angels. Um, and so we would always quote that song of his because he had played it at camp, and it was, it was just sort of our thing. And so this song, quoting it, kept us in touch, and then we would slowly start to talk on the phone, and then her relationship ended, my relationship ended, and I remember I was in my friend Chelsea's basement. Shout out Chelsea Worthon, hey. and we were playing like we were playing like spin the bottle or something like that. <laughs> I just remember, but I remember texting Annie, and that was when we sort of like we were like, okay, we like each other, and that was such a big moment for me. I was like, man, I'm not crazy. It's not only me. And do you remember that feeling of just like pure ecstasy when you find out that she liked you? I do, yeah. It was like my, my soul left my body I, in that I, basement. Shout out to Death Cab for Cutie again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yo. there you go. Yo, I, except I think it was Soul Meets Body. That's my bad. Shout out, um, shout out Death Cab. I, I feel the same way. The One of the first girls that told me that she ever liked me and that feeling when you just feel like you are on cloud nine. It's this, it's this, I can't even articulate it, but like you said, your your soul like flies out of your chest. You're just like, especially just when it's a girl that you like and you realize it's reciprocal, it's just like this crazy high. I can't even explain it. But what's interesting about that is that your your relationship developed so much over technology. And I think there's a lot in college, I took some classes on this on how it's almost it's easy for, especially in that age group too, to, for those relationships, that for you, like people to fall in love, like in chat rooms almost, because it's this partner that sort of understands you from a distance and your only real memories together were these like really magical two weeks when you were actually there together in person. And then you build this other thing out kind of online and it's sort of strange how it works, but, but it became real though. Exactly. No, um, I'm not, I'm yeah. This wasn't discrediting it, but, but that it's not, it, doesn't seem far-fetched like i i completely feel you of though how those romance those romances develop kind of they start with a little seed and then develop you know a lot more after that so you fall in love she she tells you she feels the same way um when do you actually get to see her again in person the night that I opened for Asher Roth, oh, like no. three hours away, oh, we're cracking up because we were talking about we're Asher Roth like Ash, three hours yo, ago. Asher Roth, Asher Paul Roth. Her and her friends flew out for the show, man. Because it was it so was cool. The band. And it was my 18th birthday too. This was like... Wait, so it had been years? No, no. It had been... Um, 
no, it hadn't. It had only been months. Like, um, it had only been like, let's say four months or something because I go to camp when I'm 15. I turn 16 and, and we talk for like that one year. And then maybe I was one year older when I went to camp. Maybe that's oh, why. Oh, okay. Where, where. Yeah. But, but you still we haven't seen her for a year. We talked for one year. Yeah. Had not seen each other for a and year. You weren't like but we only talked shit. for one year and then, it, and then it became a romantic thing after about a year of talking. Um, yeah. And then like a few months later in October is when they flew out. Wow, and and that was when you had to like play all those shows and sell all those tickets to like just to get the opening spot. Was that the yeah? Thing? Yeah, yep. I remember that, that was story. that show. Um, it was super cool. It was crazy. It was surreal. Those few days were very surreal days. Oh, for Azure Bra doing it. So that's a little bit of the Annie story. Another thing I want to dive into before we get into the the good shit. Um, when does how to stay young happen in this period? Because that takes place somewhere in there. Yeah, that, year. that was the following year after um, a living inverse. Yeah, that was the year right after a living inverse. Um, so that came out um, my junior year. How do you, how do you meet Dev to like produce for you and like how are you getting these beats and shit? Devin Devin Arnie. So shout out to him for like yeah, helping so Dev much in the beginning. He he was the first guy who ever helped me record into like a real microphone that sort of thing. So he was my good friend, Andrew's older brother. I mean, Andrew were like best friends and, um, I forget like exactly how it began, but I remember I went and just hung out with them and, uh, they were super into music and like not many people in our town were really into music, especially underground music. And Devin was super into it. So we really connected. Wow. Yeah. Cause there's a huge improvement from living in verse to how to stay young. Like, from beats to mixing to rapping. Well, it was, like, they were, thank you. It was both just me and Devin, like year, like one year back to back. But I think we, I think we both improved a lot during that time. And also with a living inverse, Devin had no idea what kind of beats I wanted. Yeah. I had no idea. It was just like, the only, those are the only five beats I had. Like, right. That's just right, how, right, right. That's how it works. Back in the day, that's how it was. Like, yeah. You didn't have a choice. You're like, these are my beats, so I'm it doing it. It didn't matter to yeah. me. It was just, they're just, okay, great. I have like a speed to record to. And then How to Stay Young, I wrote most of it on guitar. Um, mm. And then Devin would translate it into like a beat. So I would show him this, the progression. And I, I wasn't good at guitar. I'm still not good at guitar, but it's just a, enough just a writing tool. Yeah. yeah, just a, these are the chords. Um, you know, I want this song to have this like D G A and Devin be like, all right, cool. And he would make it into a beat cause he's like musical genius kind of guy. And so you drop how to stay young. Are you, is, is this when people start to realize that you have some, are you still slinging, you know, are you doing the merch? Cause I know even at that age you were selling, you still have those, you like, you pressed up copies and were hustling them, right? Yeah, I was. My grandpa would print them in his print shop. Um, I would go over there and give him the artwork and it was just my buddies all helping me out just like it is now like adam bosey made the artwork we took that photo like in his kitchen <laughs> took some funny book he had about table manners and that's like on the back of it that sort of thing and i would go to my grandpa's shop and we'd print them up and staple them all by hand and i would buy the empty jewel cases and have friends come over and we'd package them 
and we would burn all the CDs ourselves too and put the stickers on. I remember those. Yeah, so like I remember Chelsea Wertheim came over and some a few other friends and we would try to do like as many CDs as we could make, like 500, whatever. You have like two computers doing yeah. it. It's a full day project. Um, so that was all going on. So that was the year after camp. So I went to camp. Then I released How to Stay Young after camp because I remember A Bad Case of the Gimmies. I wrote that at camp Word. and everything. Um, so I did that after camp and I was kind of falling in love with writing and recording and all that at this time. And then there was a, um, yeah. And then like senior writers didn't come till the end of my senior year of high school. But throughout when you're a senior, you're writing the album that whole time, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it just started, I think the first song I wrote for it was, well, technically the first to be I'm Still Spinning because that was a song I had written since like freshman year of high school. So some oh, of it wow. was like that. And like Book Report, that riff on the piano that I always play and yeah. reference, that was the first thing I ever did on a keyboard. And I didn't know how to play at all. Like I didn't know anything on keyboard. I just did that one. And it, that was just the only thing I could play. Um, and so that was even before I'm Still Spinning. And I always wanted to use it for a song. And then finally... I did it when I was able to actually have it like recorded into a song. I yeah. showed it to Nico and he's like, yeah, I can just, we can just record it and then add drums. <laughs> and you're like mind blown. <laughs> yeah. Is oh Nico, my God. Now it has a tempo. Nico making beats and stuff for you like in this high school period as well as Dev or like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Devin had, Devin now was in college cause he's older. So uh. he was in college and so he's studying, studying music. Um, and Nico was, I think I met Nico the end of June, actually probably met him like the beginning of junior year or something. We knew who each other were around school, but we kind of met through MySpace. Either somebody told me he made beats or something. So I like hit him up on his page, like, hey, what's up, man? Check, out my, check out my music. And then, my top eight. and then he wrote back on MySpace and then I saw him in the bathroom at school one day and he's like, yo, what's up, man? I checked out your MySpace. It's pretty cool. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. If you want to buy a copy, it's only $5. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I didn't understand that he was thinking maybe we should make music. And so he would start to show me his beats and I would go sit with him at the cafeteria. He would play me all these different beats and they were so mainstream sounding because he didn't, of course, doesn't know what I'm looking for, whatever. And then he would have this one that'd be called like, teardrops like teardrops in the piano or something like super deep and i'd be like wait can i hear that one <laughs> be like, yeah sure you can hear that one and it'd be some amazing beautiful composition Nico and definitely has that side to him then senior year that's when i was like trying to start playing shows i did the asher ross show me and nico were in photo class together we didn't do a single bit of work we would go in the back there was an aux cord we would just play each other beats and music and that's when we started hanging out and working on stuff oh, wow. and i didn't have a car or anything this whole time too so i had no way to like go to nico's gotcha. or anything um but then senior year i was able to so okay because i was always curious about that too so um when you're you're a senior now and the music you're having a blast with the music and this is the typical kia creative contact question where's your headspace at when you're thinking of what do we, what am i doing after high school is there any part of you that's like i might just try to do music or is it all i'm still going to try to go to college oh i remember because the tish thing 
happened. So you you wanted to go to school for music. I did, yeah. I mean, I'm, what I want to say, I just wanted to do music. I just wanted to do my music. And so if I was going to go to school, I wanted to go to school for music. So when you're a senior, are your parents like, yeah, Dylan, go do music? Or are they like, yo, D, you should definitely this music thing's kind of silly. Like, what are you doing? Like, where where are you at with mom and dad? Like, where are you at with... Is there any other in your mind? Like, oh, actually, maybe I'd like to be a trip planner. So, I don't know what the fuck you're into, but like, it was, was it singular? You were like, Zero other thing. The only other wow. possible thing would be like writing or English or something. But you, but you knew then it was the, the music thing. However you could pull it. It was, but it wasn't like... I didn't understand anything about the music industry or anything like to me it was just i just wanted to keep making my songs and right. everything there was nothing more to it than that and i was like yeah you know if there's a way to like do that in college then then that's what i'm gonna do i did not understand anything about right. like i mean upstate new york man it's like it just wasn't a thing and it's not you know it's strange now growing up with city kids and working with city kids because there are just so many examples to point to of oh this guy made her oh this girl's doing it you know where like when we, we were growing up it was like nobody left high school and then did anything creative like you went and you worked for some company that was nearby or you like took over the family farm or some shit you know what i mean like dude my idea of continuing to do music was just i just want to make a new album yeah that's all it was like oh man i just want to make better Songs. Better songs. New songs about this or that. And so how does the, when you're doing the college process, how does, how do you settle on Tish? It's in New York. It just seems like a good music school. Well, obviously I didn't get in there because we right. went to Cornell. That's but, where we met. But, but wasn't that your top choice? It, it was my top choice, but I applied to a ton of places. I really didn't know. And I also like barely even went anywhere to visit. Like, I think my heart was, my heart was in music you know, a big part of my heart was focused on Annie yeah. too. And just thinking, man, like I, I just kind of want my life now to remain. Hmm. And that was, um, a weird feeling. And I think that's something I held on to. Yeah. And I held on to that going into college. And that's a lot of what keep your friends close is about like right. having to come to terms with like people change. You come home from college, your friends all smoke cigarettes now. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Um, just people, people just change as the time goes on. Um, so I think I wanted to throw stuff at the wall with college, see where I could get into that sort of thing. And I don't know, man, I had no idea what college was about. I, did, I was not prepared for it. It's crazy that though you were still did well enough and crushed it enough to get into Cornell or like that, you know what I mean? Like, Thanks, I was, man. I mean, you too after transferring and I was from fucking everywhere at first, but, um, I want to get into the Cornell story. There are, there are parts that I know, obviously, but other parts that I've always been curious about. We just bullshit so much that it's like, it's nice to kind of get to know you. Hell yeah, man. Definitely. All right. So we back one, two, one, two coming through clear. Check, 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 check. Cool. We good. So we're coming into part two. And we don't have to tackle all of this um, in this episode, but Cornell, yo, just to get in, <laughs> just to get into the vibe this morning, I listened to Mac Miller's Kids album, which was one 
of, if not the, like, paramount album, like, the soundtrack to my, that, that year for us in college. It was, like, that and um, J. Cole's The Warm Up that you, that you put me on, which you were on before I was. So, a couple things I want to dive into, but we'll take it from the top. Do you remember walking to commencement together? Yeah. The beginning. Mm-hmm. I do, and we talked about, here I'll prove that I remember, you said something about Greaves, <laughs> yeah. and then I was like, maybe you said you had been to a show of him and people under the stairs? Yes. And I was like, dude, I just played with Greaves at Bamboozle, and then we bonded over Greaves. We bonded over Greaves, and then I also was like, my favorite Greaves song is this song called White Privilege, and you're like... That's Macklemore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd been, That's right. And you were like, no, 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 it's know, not. And I'm like, dude, it definitely is. I went to a Greaves show. Greaves crushed it. It was people on the stairs and Greaves crushed it. He gave me a, in the CD that he had, though, was like mostly Macklemore songs, which is <laughs> so crazy to me. So I listened to my freshman year in Boston. I'm listening to a Macklemore album thinking it's Greaves. The entire time, like, bl- so it blows my mind. And so, you come in. I remember meeting you when Kia says Boston. By the way, he went to Boston for one year. I went to be tra- for a year. Transferred. So you were a sophomore at Cornell. Right. I was a freshman. Right, right. So I came in. I came in a year late. I I went to college. I got a girlfriend. I did had way too much fun, and then dropped out. Went to community college for a bit, got my shit together, and transferred to Cornell. And you wrote the most epic essay of all time. The most, the most epic, the best essay I've still probably ever in this day. Um, and so, so I meet Dylan, and I remember you told me about the Greece, and I was like, this dude can't be serious. And I remember us laughing and joking, telling you about video games, and you being like, dude, I don't really play that many video games, and thinking <laughs> I was really weird. And I was like, well, at the time, too, because at that age, you don't realize how whack you are that I thought I was just like the best rapper. I was like, dog. I had this song called Straight Heat. It was recorded over this producer named Edit from LA. I was like, man, I'm so dope. The guys at Boston weren't really fucking with me, but I was like, who's this little white dude thinks he can rap? I remember to this day the feeling when you first played me Book Report. And it was, I was like, oh, damn, this is next level. Because (laughs) all my shit by that point had... I was Thanks, only man. me mixing it. It was on GarageBand. That that melody comes in. You bars come in. Boom, boom, boom. You got bags under your eyes like we were carrying groceries. And shit. I was like, yo, Andy's got some some similes and some some comparisons. I was like, yo, this dude is next level. And I was like, Thanks, man. on the Dylan Owen train from the jump. So... You know, I know I know this because it was, I cherish that you're still, but you come into Cornell. What's your... What's your mind state like are you thinking you know i might try to give these academics a shot is this just something i'm doing to appease dad um what are you kind of thinking at the time i don't know i don't think i was totally aware of what of where i was i mean i think you know it was kind of a surreal place there are people trying to build the next facebook and everything it's just it's kind of overwhelming and i was obsessed with the music i just wanted to just keep doing the music keep telling the story yeah and my heart was out in colorado and i don't know i just felt like 
that all hadn't concluded. And me and Annie were still dating mm-hmm. at this time at the very beginning. So I was just in this weird place. Still even felt like with my friends from home, there was, it hadn't come you to a conclusion. So attached to back home still. I yeah. I just didn't feel like there was this perfect conclusion to, to my high school experience that I wanted there to be. Like, I didn't feel ready to just step into this new world. I don't think I knew what I was getting myself into. So to answer your question, I think it was just, I was just trying to like get through every day. I think, I think that from an outside perspective, that sounds about right. I'd already had my freshman year. So in high school for me, wasn't the same. I was like so ready to dip. I feel life for me kind of started at 18. No offense to Spencer, but I was like, get me to college, get me to a girlfriend. Let's do this real life thing. So I couldn't quite understand that. And you also, I remember, um, would spend a lot of time, especially at the beginning, still talking to Annie. And so you had the long distance girlfriend thing, which is, I think, the the common pitfall for college freshmen that you were working through. When did that, I just remember when that, what started to unravel, when did that finally come to a head and actually break? Was that first semester still? Yeah, first semester. So it kind of like fell apart first semester. And then it was by winter, um, freshman year, it was like officially done. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think that's when I think I started to fall in love with Ithaca and with, with, you know, being around all you guys and everybody. And it just became this, uh, I don't know, this kind of cool experience that I, I think I was taking it for granted completely in the beginning. And then I started to realize how cool everyone was, like Elaine and Yo, Ricky. Um, Ricky and, and of course, Brendan and Kelsey, all these cool people, man. And I, I just felt like, wow, there actually are like really genuine cool people I can meet here who it can be very fulfilling. But, but I don't, it's like the blinders came off. Unfortunately, at the same time, you're going through all of this heartbreak and you are rushing the fraternity. And so it was like... I remember you drinking a lot more at that time just because do fraternity shit. And I remember you coming home from the random crazy hazing stuff and you'd be like, you were super busy because they had you run around doing all sorts of stupid bullshit. But at the same time, like I remember hearing stories like the crazy kind of party stories that you guys would have and like, and feeling a little bit like I was watching you kind of, um, self-destruct kind of in real time for a little bit there, um, especially with the Annie stuff and being like, yo, this dude's going through a lot. And what was some, one of my most vivid memories is like, just, I remember waking up sometimes early in the morning. That's because we had this psych class where I started really taking my sleep seriously around this time. I would wake up early and I would just find you like out in the lobby, like writing a song from like the night before, or like you would like be coming. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> like you were just like in this totally different world where I think you were just trying to navigate, like just a survival. Just you were just reaching out, trying to find some, make some sense of shit. I feel like you know what I felt like with college. It felt like everyone else went in there understanding what it was going to be like. And knowing the process and whatever. And I just felt like I had no context for what I was walking into. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would be up. It'd be like 4 a.m. Seriously. I'm eating candy bars from the vending machine to try to stay awake with the sugar. And I'm writing You're some You're supposed to song. be writing for dinosaurs or earthquakes or whatever that class Yeah, was. I'm supposed to be writing that or like reading some psych book or whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, 
just writing a song. I'm like emailing Nico. Yes. He's he's of course awake. You know, <laughs> of course, he just shout out Nico the night. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I just would be like recording a a uh, thing on my Mac in demo. a Garage Band, a demo, or like trying to get shows. Like just I was trying to do the music thing and would show up late to class and I'm sleep deprived and I'm like giving a speech on some book I didn't read, yes. that sort of thing. There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of college. But somehow I, it kind of, I held it together, I think. Yo, it was crazy to kind of watch. I Throughout that time too, there was so much that happened and our relationship developed through those little shows you play at the nines or um, there were a couple highlights I wanted to, to, to touch on. Um, the first one was the Mac Miller show. Okay, cool. And so that, again, Mac Miller's starting to pop off at that time. Do you remember sitting down with Teddy Bernkowski and who's trying to work in that? We were in Oaken Shields or something like that. Or not Oaken Shields, the Ivy Room downstairs and him giving us the tickets. We had to sell a certain amount of tickets for the show up front. And he had somehow privately funded to get Mac Miller to come to campus or to come to Ithaca. Wow. I vaguely remember that sitting there. I don't totally remember it though. It's it's crazy in my mind because I remember, and this was from my, just always the way that I've viewed your music and your business is sitting there being like, Dylan knows what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause you were just, you would, you could talk as you'd played shows, you'd performed, you'd promoted yourself, you'd sold merch that like, there's still so much of that that, like, even to this day, I still haven't really done. You know, like, I still haven't ever really pressed that merch or, you know, done that sort of stuff that at that point you had been doing a bunch of DIY stuff. You you were on the business from, uh, for, from the jump. Like, so it was fascinating going through that process, you hustling, selling tickets for the Mac Miller show. Um but do you remember it kind of being this crazy last minute thing? I, I do totally. Around. But shout out to Mike Falb for like hooking it up too. Yes. Cause I remember he, he hooked up the spot to like open and, and all that. So just want to give him a shout out. Yeah. Mike, yeah. Mike yeah. He's part of that. That was crazy. The, the Mac Miller show. I remember, Oh man, that was such a trip. And, um, yeah, I just remember us like going out there on stage and, it was it was like at the Ithaca State Theater, this huge place. Ithaca's like one of their biggest venues. Yeah. And uh it was wild. It, it was, was such a trip. We're in a room downstairs with like catering and, and food and all this stuff. It that was wild. I, I felt like a rock star man. And I was the hype man and I felt like a rock star. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it was it was crazy. I was wearing that was, a that was long really... sleeve button up shirt and some sort Same. of leather necklace that I wore every day yeah you love the leather necklaces and the leather wristbands too. Yes, leather you were like a, a leather man <laughs> Yo, it was Le- leather face it was crazy i remember playing those shows with you and people coming up after and just feeling like such a rock star and it wasn't even my material or anything but just being like and just having the most the most respect for you because i was so nervous and you somehow always remembered the lyrics to everything. And thanks, man. And was able to kill it. Do you remember um, the Chitty Bang show? Yeah, yeah, of course. That was great. That was a cool one. I remember something that made it feel extra fun was the, the elevator <laughs> that took us from the Wait. main floor. Like the show was in this, um, this facility building. It was like 
a gym basically. And then the show was in like the auditorium. And so we would, we would walk in on the first floor then we would take an elevator downstairs to the show. And 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 I remember us taking the elevator, just being like, yeah, this is crazy. (laughs) Yo, I forgot about that, dude. That's crazy footage. Another thing, yo, it just came to mind too, since I had him on to the rap battle. We yeah, gotta yeah. talk about the rap battle. Yeah. Um. Shout out to KC, Joe Cleanest, Tommy putting that on, uh, NCPC, whatever it was, um, and just that too. I remember looking up to you up there on stage and like talk for people that are Dylan Owen fans. You know this rap battle. Talk about that night a little bit and what it was like going through those battles. If you remember your opponents, because I do. If you need some help. Oh no, I remember. So. Uh, this is the Cornell rap battle we're talking about. So this was, when was this freshman year? Was it like right it was, in the beginning? It was a fall. It wasn't right in the beginning, but it was, it was, it was still, it was still early. Okay. Well, this is when I was like starting to really settle into the yeah. environment there. And I was just like, I was so used to there being no music stuff around, like from growing up, that's the way it was. No one was into underground music. So I always had my eyes peeled for anything. And I saw, oh, there's a rap battle coming up on campus. Like, Man, this is I gotta like just go there and give it a hundred fifty percent. You remember Ujiji? Yeah, yeah. You battling and you said something about her boots or something like yeah, that? Yeah, she had like these wacky boots on, um, with high laces yes. or something. So I probably said something about that. You're always worried when you battle. Mm-hmm. What if there's nothing to diss about this person? You like, gotta have what if backup. they're so normal that nothing stands out because those are the things in a battle you gotta focus on just like what stands out to everyone so that the audience can relate to it, you know? So yeah, first I battled with Gigi, then I battled, is his name Spencer? Yeah, I think it is. Yes, then I battled, <laughs> then, My I, favorite bar. then I battled Spencer. You remember any bars from Spencer? Uh, some of them. I know he said, he's like, I'll make you, make you wet like the Ithaca Gorges or something. Well, you look like a fucking Catholic school boy in your khakis. Yeah, you look like a Catholic school boy in your khakis. Dog, me and Brendan and Ricky, I was coming from an event. I raced my ass there. Brendan is going overboard. I was straight OD. I was front row. I remember you saying that place was super lit. Yo, to her credit too, Ujiji almost edged you. Not even yeah, from she bars, but the crowd was loving it, and she had some. She had she dropped some crazy shit on you that. I yeah, she had was, something though. about jump roping or something yeah, like that. And, and she almost edged you, but you beat Gigi. You beat Spencer, and then it was great because I got to meet up with Joe recently at Casey's. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the, him a the, bunch since the, too. The finale against Mr. Cleanest. Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy night. It was really fun. I didn't know like anyone there. Like it was just us coming from our dorm next door or whatever. So I didn't know how big of a thing it was going to be. I thought it'd be pretty small. Yeah. I, th- I think I thought it was going to be like pretty empty, some obscure kind of thing, but it was this huge event. It was all packed. You can't really see on the video how packed it was. Um, I remember us eating dinner before upstairs, and I was just so nervous. Like anyone who's ever been in a rap battle i don't know how many listening that that relates to <laughs> how many but y'all been rap battling basically you get so nervous before you can't understand it's like doing a like play or something like you're the just eminem and lose yourself describes it yeah is seriously perfect. yeah like you feel like you're gonna throw up kind of seriously because you're sweaty you're spazzy and you're about to right because it could go so wrong um but yeah so i don't know i loved it i felt like 
I was just getting into it. Like with Ujiji, I was like, man, I'm kind of nervous just getting into this. Then when uh, Spencer came, I was like, all right, I'm more in my element now. Um, just in terms of like, it was my second one. So I had already, you know, the, the, had to hold the mic and bit. all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it was cool. Dude. It was really fun. I think, what did, what did we win for doing those? Like a $25 like the mall gift card or something. Oh, yeah, the TV. <laughs> the TV. Yeah. You won a gift card, though, I think. Right? And then I think you gave me the TV. I did something with it. Yeah, yeah. I had no use for it. You gave me the TV, I think. That's incredible. And we watched... Social Network. The Social Network on it. We watched yeah. the Social Network on it, which is crazy. That yeah, was crazy. Do you remember... I'm sorry for the listeners. This is probably not a fun part, but I'm having so much fucking fun. Do you remember the talent show in Appel? Yeah, yeah, of course. The, for the parents or something? Yeah. Did it, Did that have something to do with Elaine? Like, didn't she, like, set it up or something? I think so. I can't remember, but it was, it was super awkward. It was super... Maybe that's where we won the TV from. Oh, that's yeah, that's where we won the TV from. KC won the gift, gift card. card. Yeah. Um, I wish th- KC was here. Dude. I do, Maybe too. Maybe next episode. Next episode, all like three of us Casey. need to kick it. Um, and then another one, um, there were so many different shows and different things that we played that year. It really does blow my mind. Um, yeah, the talent show was really funny. It was just a weird talent show. The sound was, there was like an eight-year-old running the soundboard. Yeah. I remember that. It was very some, weird, some awkward little kid. So another thing that I want to touch on was, because I think it was a pivotal experience for us, was the show with Das Racist and Macklemore. Yeah, yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about that. So that was very early on too. It was like first couple months of school. Blue Scholars were headlining a show yes. on campus. This small show. That's right. Blue Scholars were going to play. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis were going to open. And they were very underground at this point. It must It's actually funny talking about them now. Like, it's so everyone knows who it they are got, at this time. Yeah, nobody. It was like talking about, um, I don't even know who's a good comparison now. I, I, now you put me on the spot, I can't even think of one. Because it was so underground that, like, I don't even know if I know about underground artists like that anymore. Exactly. Like, it was, yeah, exactly. Like, it was kind of one of those artists who's so underground that whenever they come up, like, you're so excited that someone even knows who they are. Right. So Macklemore was the, the smallest opener on this bill, and it was like Blue Scholars, whatever. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis got added at the last minute, and I was super into Macklemore at this point. Das Racist. And Das Racist was playing. Um, Kiwi. And Kiwi. And no one else, right? I think that's it. Yeah. And so they played this show. It was like capped at, I don't know, 250 people or something. Just free tickets. It was upstairs in a lunchroom. Yeah. And we were all about it. Me and Kia, we were so into it, like there waiting at the top of the stairs. There. Yeah, like no one there. It you remember was, seeing coming down the stairs? With the up cane. the stairs. Up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, up the stairs. Up the I stairs. do remember that. Yeah, yeah. The cane, he was like, this is years before thrift shop. And he had that whole vibe going on so cool he's probably like our age at the time yeah it was funny because i remember thinking man he's like 50 years old yes i do. (laughs) like thinking like wow this dude is like so he's like a grown person yeah but really like he wasn't that he's he's like like our age that's a trip that's weird so weird but yeah anyway so the show was crazy they were really good they were really really good like he played other side like it was that kind of era and blue scholars were so good too i remember 
just thinking like, wow, the Blue Scholar's performance was so polished. I, I, I remember you telling me that then. Yeah, I just really thought that. I thought it was incredible. Jem. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> Das Racist and the crowd surfing mic stand? I do. I remember <laughs> with Lacutus, who's like still with doing this thing. Yeah, so dude, but us the next day, something we got to yes. say is we ate breakfast with all them. Yo. You were all, anybody like could go and eat breakfast with them. And no joke, Kia and I were the only two people who showed up. And there was one other guy. He was just there by coincidence. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's he right, was just right. eating breakfast <laughs> in the right, room. That's right. Yo, people, you don't understand. If, they, if people were like, okay, if Macklemore and Ryan Lewis came near campus and they're like, you can have breakfast with him and Blue Scholars and Das Racist and nobody's there, it's just the artist's except for me and Dylan and a random kid and me, who just happened to be And me and Kia were so hyped on it, too. Like, we were like, man, this is, it's like we breakfast with, like, Mickey Mouse at Disney World. Yes, like, it is. Yeah, so, yeah, we're there early. All, you had a job interview. Yes. You were skipping for it or something. Yes, You're there yes. in a full suit. And this dude who's there by coincidence was just talking about Ableton, like, just <laughs> talking about programming it. Like, I was like, man, I don't think you know what's about to go down in this room right now. Like, he thought they were just like, he treated them like they were other students. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, oh, these are like, these are like, some old to students. To Ryan Lewis, he's like, oh, you produce? Like, so do I. Like, I use Ableton. Like, it was so funny because I remember sitting around and I remember the artist kind of being like disheartened. Like, Das Racist just seemed like they'd probably been out partying or something. Like, do you like, think they felt weird that no one showed up? I, I, there was a weird vibe. I there was definitely a, a weird, weird vibe. vibe. I don't know why. Though. Maybe the weird vibe. I've thought a lot about what, <laughs> what it was. Maybe it was a weird vibe between the artists. Like maybe, I, I have no idea. I'm just like speculating. That's a, but maybe that's a good point. maybe there's some weird thing we didn't know about between them or something. Or maybe they were just tired because it was like 9 a.m. on a Sunday. And they're from the West Coast. You know, it's strange. So it's like 6 a.m. their time. As an adult, that makes so much more sense to me. Or sorry, it's the opposite. But yeah. No, I got you. But like when we were that, when we were like 19, 18, 19, I was like, there's something weird going on. Where now I understand as an adult, like just more dynamics come into play. Maybe there was weird stuff going on between them. Maybe, like you said, maybe they were just tired. Like, right. It just makes sense now. The, at the time, I was like, something. There was going something on. weird, though. Yeah, be- I remember. Like, I wanted them to be excited about all the food options. Yo, they they <laughs> went so hard with the food, dude. That Did was they? campus, and it was popping. Yeah, I was trying to tell them. I was like, guys, this is gonna be really good. <laughs> you you can get anything you want, unlimited. And they're like, dude, like they're like in a dining hall. Yeah, I was like, the most like we could offer them at that time is like this hilarious so, dining hall food. It's so funny. I remember grilling. I recall. In the dino first week of school. Um, I remember um sitting there, first of all, talking to uh the guy from Das Racist, not cool AD, but um Heems. Heems. I remember talking to Heems about college and he was like, dude, you should go to Wesleyan. He's like, Wesleyan was so much cooler than this. And now I probably actually would have preferred Wesleyan, but That's so I, funny. I was talking to Heems. So funny that you were at college and he was like, dude, you should go somewhere else. <laughs> yes, it was. And then I remember talking to um, Ryan Lewis about production and him giving me some great advice about like learning your software. And the next day I remember talking to 
Geo Logic and uh, the producer. I forgot his name, which is a shame because I was Sobsy. Sob. That's right, Sobs. And all of them were like such dope dudes. It's strange that now, just where life has taken them all. That now, who the fuck knows what happened to Kiwi and Blue Scholars. I'm not even sure if they're still doing their thing. I know Cool AD is still doing his thing out here in Brooklyn. Heems, I think, is still making some music, but I think he also works like a full-time job. And the opener, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, went on to be like global superstars. It's weird when you frame it that way. I do think they're all still doing their thing. I don't know about Kiwi. I haven't followed him, but I think like Heems and them, of course, Das Races broke up, but I think they're still doing their thing. But that is interesting when you frame it that way. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Um but like Sobzy is still producing and everything. Word. I think the Blue Scholars just, they just like sort of ran their course as, you know, they released yeah. a ton of stuff and everything. Yeah. I remember in high school, I was a huge fan. Um, so I don't want to keep this too long because there's just part one. So let's get through, um, let's talk a little bit more about college and maybe um, round things up about, with about the album, upcoming album. And then next time we talk, went to part two, we can do like life post-college, that sort of Dylan that I've known for the past four or five years, how you've kind of really grown into yourself as an artist, and we can really dive into like our ideas and your creative process and stuff like that. Does that work? Yeah, that work? definitely. All right, so, because I want to finish college out, but I also want to talk about some stuff on the upcoming album. Okay, cool. How long has it been so far? Do you know? It's been an hour and a half. Okay, cool. It's, nice long podcast. Yo, so it goes, but it goes super fast. It goes really fast. It's so, cool. actually, you know what? I don't want to rush it. I don't want to rush college. Let's start off the transfer to New York next time, and cool. Let's talk more about this new album, um, because I think I want people to know some behind the scenes about this, and then we can also dive more into this new album as well in the next time. But I wanted to talk to you about my impression of it. And give people some teaser for the video stuff you have coming up, at least in this podcast. Cool. That cool? Yeah. So, for those that don't know, the album is how percent would you say finished, D? It's hard to put a percent because there's still stuff. Some stuff needs to be recorded. Right. Some needs to be mixed. Some produced. So, it's kind of like 70. all over the place. Yeah, 70. Somewhere around there. Somewhere yeah. ballpark 70. It's It feels so close. Right. And I, I swear I'm like making progress every day, but it takes a long time to get it, get it together where I want it. As someone who's been along for the process for this whole thing, it's been absolutely nuts to now finally like have the tangible thing because I've gotten... As, you know, the inside scoop is the homie, I get the demos, you know, often the rough demos here and there. And I'm always like, D, like, send me the polish joint um, so that I can see how it really feels. Like, I like the rough sketch, but before I give you feedback on it here, it sounds polished. And there are some of these that still weren't even mixed, but I think I got the general vibe of it overall. And I was walking home, first time I listened to the whole thing front to back, last week, I was walking home. And it was a beautiful sunny day, and it just was like the perfect, the perfect soundtrack for my day at that time. And some of the songs I'd heard, but never like fully finished. I loved the departure from, and you may agree or disagree, from this idea of or the style of feeling very like, um, 
like uh, structured bars. And I just feel like it's your same with the video. It's like your most sincere, I hate to say authentic because that word's overused, but like very much true to self the most that you've, that you've really just kind of like embraced your influences of folk and kind of, again, with the filming, like let go of trying to prove shit and really just kind of like coming into yourself. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Is that, do you, when you listen back to it, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I do. Um, I think the two, like why that makes sense. These are songs that I just wrote. I mean, they're all, all my songs are kind of this way, but like alone in my bedroom, just thinking like, what are the things in my life that I want to cover? Things that I haven't written songs about yet. Um, And ways to like, tie my story together um, and covered the past few years. So yeah, I, I definitely think so. I was surprised. What was, did you realize when you were writing the process, was this a conscious choice or not? How um, I don't, intricate isn't the right word, but sort of how woven throughout the story, how much you've been thinking about reminiscing, missing your grandpa? Yeah, I think that, that comes from just when I was living at home for a few years, the past few years, he was sick that whole time. Mm. And it was sort of this experience that shadowed like throughout that whole phase in my life. Um, I know you said like, we'll get into that next time or whatever, but yeah, it kind of was like lingering there the whole time. He was super sick. My mom's boyfriend was super sick. Um, so there was a lot of that, um, that feeling like just kind of lingering that feeling of like grief and um this sort of like somber you know yeah it was woven beautifully throughout a lot of songs i was not expecting i was like damn like i'd heard there are some that are very much pointed about him and then others that he there were there were mentions of um afterlife and things like that and and or even on a hook or, you know, it just this idea of paradise or of heaven and this idea of it being too crowded and hope he finds friends. Like you thinking about wh- like what he's up to now. Like it was just a really, I wasn't expecting that. Well, he's the yeah. first family member that I've lost. Like the first like close family member. Mm. So it's, I'm, I'm so lucky that it's late in my life that I'm kind of losing that first person for a lot of people. It's way earlier, but it's an experience I'm going through like way later. Yeah. So I think that's where that ties in. And it, I've thought a lot about it. Like how does he tie in to all these different things in my life? And I think that's what's interesting. Like he's the guy who drove me down to camp in Virginia yeah. and that's where I met Annie. Um, and that's where I met Andrew Rose and everything. So it's like he printed my first CDs, came to like my rap battles, like that sort of thing. Like yeah. this kind of, um, first fan in a way yeah like just uh just an interesting like it's such a different generation right that he was from um this sort of like he was this kind of small town hero guy and for him to see me like rapping in new york city like it probably was just such a trip and so cool to me though that he would come um i couldn't imagine my grandpa's ever seen me like that must have been really interesting that he was fucking with you and in a good way, being like, yo, I support you. Even as a grandpa, that's like, 
hip-hop is probably the farthest thing from his mind. Yeah, I don't think he... I'm sure he didn't understand it. Like, hip-hop wasn't... When he was growing up, it wasn't a genre yet, like, in the way it is now. So, um, I don't know. So, yeah, I think it just is the idea of everything being connected that I have been focusing a lot. And I think the... I know it's, like, it's dark, but, like, the idea of death just permeates through so much of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big thing I've been thinking about a lot. What's, first of all, one of my favorite songs on the joint that I didn't, wasn't expecting and I'm so stoked to kind of get the backstory on. How, what inspired the Andrew Rose story? The drums are dope, first of all. Shout out to uh, Skinny Atlas. Yo, I was I like, know. the drums came in, I was like, I loved the hook. What made you want to write about It's that? a song I've wanted to write since I went to camp, like me and Nico tried, Nico Skinny Alice tried to make that beat in high school. We tried to sample Andrew Rose and make that beat. And it just didn't, we like, didn't know how to do it then sampling like a folk song, whatever. And finally we got it around. And those are lyrics that I was literally thinking of in high school and now have just gone in and like filled in the pieces. So that song has been on my mind since I was like 16 years old and I wanted it to just be an ode, like a thank you. He taught me how to write songs. He was the guy who said, like, here's a chorus, here's a verse. Like, there's a lot of references in that and in the, the song about Annie um, to, like, the songs that we studied at camp, too. Like, we studied Hallelujah. Uh, we studied the song called Burn by Ray LaMontagne. Oh, dude, he was... Maxine loved Ray LaMontagne. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's I know, I say that every Amazing time. artist. Yeah. And so we studied those songs, and I tr and A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall by Bob Dylan. We tried to, like, I, I tried to put those all in there as a kind of ode um, to those times or whatever. Yo, yeah, that joint, it just it's one that just comes on and just catches you, and I was like, ooh, I'm gonna have to run that back. Thanks, man. Um, What inspired the Break Some Ice song? Because that, I think, is one of the highlights on the album. Thanks. Um, I felt like I was frozen in my life for the last few years, dealing with this, the lingering of death and grief and all these things, and not being able to finish songs and release them and worrying too much about it and feeling like I'm going through writer's block, like a block of ice, and then I'm also kind of frozen in my life. I'm caught up in this old grief, you know, still grief over this this Annie breakup from years and years ago. Yeah. It's like embarrassing that I'm still caught up in it. But these are the real things I'm feeling. So for me, Break Some Ice was like, fuck all of that. I just want to make, make music and put it out there. And that's kind of what it's all about for me. Break Some Ice is... And that's why I want it to be the first one I release. I because the vi the process of making that video for me was like a healing process. It was a few months of like, all right, I need to get get myself together, get myself back on track, like get into the studio, record some songs, get organized, you know, finish making this music. It's sometimes I feel I feel bad because people will message me who love the music. Where's the new music at? Where's it at? You know, yeah. and I. Um, I tell them it's coming soon and it's like, it feels so far away. And finally now it feels closer. And like making break some ice was like a jump forward for me. It was like, all right, this feels, this feels really good. I just wrote it in like one sitting Wow. in a notebook, recorded it in my, in my bedroom right there. 
um, just use the first take that I did or maybe like second take or something. It was like first or second, no punches. And uh, that was like the final recording. Um, There's some magic in those sometimes. Thanks, man. Yeah, I just didn't think I could do it again as as good as that one. I was like, you know what? And even the timing is like weird. It's kind of, there's no like drums or whatever. So <clears throat> yeah. Um, and to kind of put a cherry on top of that, now that you're talking about fans, you can divulge as much or as little as you want to. I know there's some, I have a little bit of inside info for, for the fans that are listening. What can they expect from you coming up? What, what's your sort of, um, idea for this rollout? What, because I know some behind the scenes, of all the different things you've been working on, but for them, and when when this drops around with that video, what what can they expect from you? Like what what's coming up on the horizon? Well, I think that this time, I'm not going to take forever to get to keep putting stuff out. This time, it's like oh, once yeah. Break Some Ice comes out, as soon as things get finished up, and and it will take some time to like finish everything up, even though it's close now. That last like thirty percent. It's going to take a little while, but as it's done, I'm, I just want to start putting it out. Um, so hopefully they can expect like so much new music, Dude. like more than they're going to be. Yo, more than y'all don't even realize I've heard some of these demos and Dylan knows some of them are my favorite Dylan Owen tracks where I'm like, Dylan, put this bitch out. And I'll be like, dog, I'm working on the album. I'm working on the album. So y'all, y'all hear it here. There are some joints on the way, like for real, for real, some joints on the way. I'm stoked, and I think the for you, I think this will be the the beginning for some momentum. That then, once you start releasing the the other stuff too, I think it'll really just build on itself. Plus, some of the other ideas I know you've been buying me for things for them to experience. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's just um, it's weird when you don't put stuff out for a while, you then feel like it has to be some huge thing to yeah. come back with or whatever um but i don't know i feel like these songs going on this album they're the songs i've always wanted to write since i was in high school like things i've always wanted to write about things over the last few years i've been like ruminating on for a long time yeah. so it feels very right to me in that way none of the words feel out of place or anything like it just feels feels like it's all in the right spot um so i'm like super over the moon excited to share it and i just want it to be the start of putting out music nonstop, um and just see see where that that takes takes us and um i also want to play shows way more i want to play everywhere and anywhere possible so even if it's like just setting up a little DIY tour, playing in people's houses and parking lots, parks, whatever. I would 100% do that. How can they do it? Yeah, just get in touch. Literally just email me, dylanowenmusic at gmail.com. And as long as you're willing to like bring out a few friends and we can set something up somewhere, like I want to try to make it happen. Yo, this man, for real, if y'all don't follow this man on social, he'll actually like meet up with random fans. Like if they're like, yo, D, I'm a fan. And like, he's about it and i think that that is what makes fans so feel connected to you it's because they know that you're real and you're tangible and it is it's like okay if you want if you want to do a show like let's do a show like that's so it's so rare i mean thanks man for me it's like it's not about anything besides just this is just like me expressing myself and 
people love it and connect with it enough that they want to see a show, like that's incredible. And yeah. there's no reason to not make it happen. I think like too many people think about like the music industry and the music oh, business, okay. whatever. Like I don't want to be in that business or that industry. I'm just doing my own thing since day one. This is what I've been doing, how I've been doing it, just making my music. And that's DIY. the way I want to continue. Um, so yeah, I like, I just want to play wherever I can. I like, it'd be awesome to literally play every day. I think that every time I play a show, I'm like, man, I want to tweet right now. Just that I want to play a show every night of my life. I think I've tweeted that like five times now. Where can people find you? Anywhere.com slash Dylan Owen music. My man got those handles on lock. <laughs> you heard it here first at Dylan Owen Music. MySpace.com so, slash Dylan Owen Music. Yo, message him. He'll put you in the top eight. You know, he'll remove Tom. Nah, Listen. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the, SoundCloud. The man got some dope videos on the way. You know, break some ice, some other little things I've seen. Yeah. Another thing, not to interrupt you again, but I w- I've also been thinking about it'd be cool to consistently release something every like month or I don't yeah. know something at the same time. Um, so I don't know like when that would be or if I have enough done yet to really do that. But whenever I do, that's something that'd be cool. Cause then you could just check back every month and just see something new. And I think it also helps the process, which we've talked about before, which we'll talk about on the next one. Cause I don't want to hold people too long. Listen guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have made it this far, you're the real MVP. Yeah. Um, I know. <laughs> thank you. I know that, that I, you know, I like to talk and this is supposed to be Dylan's interview and I kind of hogged it, but thank you for real, for real, everybody. I'll, I'll link all this shit in the show notes. All you gotta do is click it. I'm serious though. Stop waiting. If this man, if you want to bring him to your spot, he will come out and play. Like, don't be, don't be, scared or whatever send him a message definitely it won't be a big show it'll just be it'll be me showing up but let's make it happen the man makes it work d dude kia thank, thank you so, you so much. much damn kia damn kia i shake up the world like pangea <laughs> oh. make you forget where you're from like amnesia oh shit because i could tell you the future i'm a hand reader oh yo y'all here to hear first quick couple bars thank you so much for tuning in creative contact over and out dylan owen Thank you again, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. Peace.